Hello, this is Dusty Hughes, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And hello, Royals fans. It's Dave O on Clubhouse Conversation, the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. And today we toss it old school to 2009 and 2010, so not that old school. But we'll be talking with Dusty Hughes, who pitched for the Royals during those two seasons, especially 2010, spent the entire season at the big league level as really the most reliable reliever out of that Royals bullpen in 2010 outside of Joaquin Soria. Dusty Hughes got in 65 games overall for the Royals, had a combined 409 ERA during those two seasons. A guy who came up through the Kansas City system as well. The Royals first took him back in the 11th round of the 2003 draft out of a Division II school called Delta State University, where Hughes helped lead his team to two different appearances at the Division II College World Series. Dusty, the 5'10 lefty, went on to pitch with the Minnesota Twins as well after his Royals days ended, and he joins us now from his home in Mississippi on Clubhouse Conversation. Dusty Hughes, first of all, it's good to hear from you, and second of all, how's everything going with you? It's going good, man. I, you know, I got uh, teaching and coaching. Uh, got my wife and two kids living in South Haven, Mississippi. Very nice. God's country, right? Isn't that what they call it down there? Yeah. <laughs> so you're coaching these days. What exactly are you? You know, what are you coaching exactly? Oh, I'm coaching. Uh, I'm an assistant baseball coach at a high school, a little small private school in Pennsylvania, Magnolia Heights. Um, and I also have a baseball organization that has nine teams in it right now. We just started our first year, ages seven to fourteen, and I coach one of the fourteen-year-old teams, and then kind of as a rubbing instructor for all the rest of the team. Very nice. So you're staying nice and busy, and you got a couple of kids too, right? Growing up pretty, you know, pretty fast. That's it. Uh, my little girl, Kaylin, is eight. She's going into third grade, and my little boy is four. He's an Easton, and uh, he will be in five K, uh, not five K, four K preschool. Very cool. Well, and I'm sure, you know, as a former Royal, you were probably pretty excited to see the Royals, you know, in the postseason last year, marching all the way to the World Series. I mean, were you watching on the edge of your seat like all of us were here in KC? Oh, there ain't no doubt. I, I was, I mean, me and Billy Butler basically had text messages, conversations every night. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a great run, man. And, of course, the Royals off to the similar type of season in 2015 so far. And your Twins, you pitched for, too, are surprising the entire baseball world, them and the Astros. The Twins are in second right now. So, I mean, I'm assuming this summer is pretty much, you know, fun for you, too? It is. It is. It's kind of it's kind of neat seeing the, some of the guys that are that they the Twins had, you know, their sights set on early uh, as prospects like Trevor Plouffe and guys like that that they drafted high finally starting to perform and, uh, obviously, the Bruxton guy just getting in, uh, and then uh, obviously with uh, what's his name, the second baseman from Southern Miss, uh, Dozier, Brian Dozier. Yeah. So those guys, just seeing those guys, and then obviously you know Lauer and those guys still doing their thing, and you know being able to get him out from behind the plate, I think is going to help him help prolong his career at the plate for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, have you been back to KC, by the way, since you pitched here with the Twins back in 2011? Um, I have not. I have not. We uh, were actually, my 14-year-old baseball team's coming to St. Louis this weekend to play in a tournament, and we were actually going to come to a game, but you're out of town. Yeah, yeah, out in Oakland this weekend. Hopefully, yep. hopefully avoiding brawls <laughs> this week. Well, yeah, that's true. Hopefully, <laughs> you can keep Venturatane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, okay, so we'll come back to 2015 here in a little bit, but let's go back then. Uh, you know, learn about you from the start. So you grew up in Horn Lake, Mississippi. You went to Horn Lake High School. So first of all, where is Horn Lake located at, and, and how big is that town? Uh, Horn Lake is right about. 10 miles south of Memphis, Tennessee. It's basically, there's one city in between South Haven, which is actually where I live now. Uh, it's one city in between here and Memphis. So where the Memphis Redbirds play in downtown Memphis is basically 15 minutes from where I grew up. Oh, okay. And then the city of Horn Lake, uh, I don't know how many people are in there, but we do have in the county of DeSoto County, uh, there's four or there's six schools. And Horn Lake is one of the biggest schools. They have the biggest. They have a, they're a six-day school. There's over 2,000 kids just in the high school. When I was there, it wasn't that big, but it is now. It's huge. Did you grow up like a, a St. Louis Cardinals fan then since Memphis was there? Or who were your, I grew up an Atlanta Braves fan. I would never like the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. That's a great answer, actually. I have never liked and never will because they lied to me come draft time, too. So I never will like the Cardinals. <laughs> Did they say they were going to pick you or something? Yes, they told me they were going to take me high, and then they didn't. So, but you know how that goes. <laughs> well, Royals fans will be glad to hear that you don't like the Cardinals because we have that in common. Yeah. So, yeah. So, who was your boy growing up? Like Tom Glavin and those guys growing up? Lefty? Oh, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, uh, Chipper Jones, and um, I love David Justice, too. Just that sweet left-handed swing you had, too. Yeah, those teams are loaded. Ron Gant and Jeff Blauser, and I love those Oh, my those gosh, guys. those guys are that was the only guy that I didn't like was Jeff Blauser. But I didn't realize he was as good as he really was. I guess because he was overshadowed by all the other guys that were so good. Yeah. I always, as a kid, thought Jeff Blauser was terrible. When I when I come to find out looking back on it, he was actually really good. Yeah, Mark Lemke and Terry Pendleton. Yeah, I and, love Lemke. Yeah, those are good teams. And so you played uh, at Horn Lake High. Well, I mean, was baseball always your number one and best sport growing up? Uh, no, I, I would say I kind of really started – I was always just athletic, I guess, but more I was better. I was way better at soccer than hmm. I am than I ever was at baseball until basically I was just athletic and left-handed, so I was able to you know get by as a baseball player, and I was a way better position player basically than I ever was a pitcher until about ninth grade. What clicked? I mean, something just did it instruction from somebody or something just click or what? <laughs> I, you know, I think it was just more that they finally gave me a chance to do it. I think I had already uh, had some good instruction as far as coaching and stuff goes. and uh, But outside of the uh, – they always wanted me to play center field because I could play defense really well. And I think they were finally like, all right, got to give this kid a chance, and they finally did. Yeah, and the rest is history, as they say. So you end up yeah. at, uh, at Delta State University there in Cleveland, Mississippi. What made you choose Delta State? Well, I chose Delta State for two reasons. One, because they were going to let me play, be a position player and a pitcher. That was the number one reason. And the number two reason is because I was going to be able to play as a freshman instead of going to Ole Miss. Or I had a, I had an offer from Ole Miss in Kentucky, but I turned them down because I figured I would get redshirted. Okay. Wanted to play right away. I like that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I mean, great success at Delta State Division uh, Division Two World Series, two years, two thousand one and two thousand two. You know, what are your favorite memories of, the, of of that and just of the college experience overall? Man, there, there's a lot of memories. The, the the one that stands out that's really good was just probably my first ever appearance in the College World Series. Um, it was obviously it's not on the same level as the D one College World Series, but uh, when we were in uh, Alabama playing and just being able to come in, I threw, I think it was seven innings, and we were down, I think we were down eight to four when I came in, and we ended up, we ended up losing the game, but we, we I kept them at eight runs the entire game. I didn't, they didn't score, I threw like seven innings out of the bullpen, but that was pretty cool. Yeah. Just the experience of being in that spot, first game one, and I was a reliever and a freshman and all that stuff, it was pretty cool. Now, what was your major in college? Uh, marketing. Okay. Did you did you have any dream job with that at the time? Man, I don't no. Heck no. <laughs> no. Uh, I had uh no. You know what I did originally? Honestly, is um, I majored in my first semester. I majored in physical education, and then I decided I was like, this is I can do. I can always do physical education. I'm going to go in the business world. And then when I looked it up with my counselor, um, I could graduate in four years with marketing. And that's why I chose marketing. <laughs> that's how I was in college for my comm studies degree. I took that because there was no econ classes and no Spanish. I'm like, I'll just, yeah, I'll just choose that one. That sounds good. That's it. <laughs> so, I mean, so a lot of people don't know that you actually got drafted then in 2002. It was the 50th round back when they went that high with the, with the Marlins, but you chose to stay in school, obviously. Now, was that something that you struggled with? Did you actually consider signing, or was that a pretty easy decision to go back to school? No, it was just it was easy. Yeah, it was not even a comparison really i'd never even considered it really yeah just too low and not enough money well you know i think it was just at the time i i personally just didn't feel ready myself i i I don't know how to really explain it i just my junior year i felt ready my sophomore year i didn't okay fair enough i mean things ended up working great too because you skyrocketed with, with the royals yeah 11th round of 2003 so before we talk about draft day itself so take us back to the whole scouting process and i mean do you remember a specific point where uh, the royals and scout mark willoughby kind of first discovered you was there a, a memory of that sticking out when you know were they, were they around a lot the royals no you know what's really funny about them and mark would call it, mark would vouch for me on this i only think mark saw me pitch twice all year um, and that was the last two, my last two outings of the entire season. See, what happened was early in the season, we uh, well, see that that year we had four game series uh, for conference weekends. So we played. They were doing a trial year as far as doubleheader on Saturday, doubleheader on Sunday, which was brutal, by the way. And then, <clears throat> so I was the I was the closer game one, two, and three, and then I would start game four. <laughs> so a lot of times the the scouts were, you know, they're usually coming in for game one and two, and they ain't coming back on Sunday. So I think I was almost kind of hidden to the world at one point for a little while. And then when they realized, they finally called Coach Kennison, and he told them what was what we were doing. That's when they started showing up. So, but I, I think the biggest thing early on with the scouting thing is I think everybody was just scared of me because I was so small. Yeah, but lefty. So. <laughs> I was lefty, and I threw. And I did. I will say this: in college, I threw. I threw hard. I did. I was able to throw hard, which I don't know where that went. I guess when I had Tommy John, it went to crap. But I used to actually throw hard. I was low to mid nineties in college, believe it or not. 
<laughs> I believe it. I mean, so the draft day, you know, it approaches. I mean, so the Royals, did you really think that they might take you? I mean, were you ever in KC for a workout? Have they talked to you much before the draft, or was it kind of like well, a surprise? Well, I had, I had a pre-draft workout with Mark Willoughby and Derek Ladner in Mississippi, uh, I guess probably six days before. And then uh, I went to St. Louis, flew me to St. Louis. Or I say they flew me. My parents told me they did that. They might not have. But uh, <laughs> uh, I flew to St. Lu- I flew to St. Louis and threw a bullpen for them. Me and Stuart Pomerantz, the kid that they ultimately drafted in the second round, and one other kid. And then uh, I went did the same thing with the White Sox. I flew to Chicago and threw. And that's where I thought I was ultimately getting drafted was the White Sox because the it was like an Australian guy that was talking and he was a scout. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but. He's a great guy, and I thought I was going top five or six rounds with him. Which, to be honest, looking back at it, that's you know that would have been kind of crazy with me being the size I am, and then then drafting me that high, you know. Yeah. Well, now how about draft day itself? So, I mean, where were you at? Who was with you? And, and you know, what was it like when you got the call? It was crazy. Uh, we were. I was just staring at the computer. That was before they had the old the thing on TV. You know, they didn't have it like that. Um, but no, I was in, uh, just staring at the computer and just round after round. I'd get a phone call from Chicago about the third round. They're like, oh, we're going to, we're not going to take you in the third round. We're going to wait a little while. We're still, we found some better, you know, some better, higher guys that we didn't think would be there. And, you know, then the Cardinals would call and then the Royals called one time and they said, um, it was like the ninth round, I think. And Mark Lilby called and he said, we're, we're going to draft you with our next – it was the ninth round because uh, John Gregg had gotten drafted right there. And uh, he said, we're going to get drafted. We're going to uh, take you with our next pick. Are you cool? Are you good with that? Are you? And I said, absolutely. And uh, I said, so that'll be so that'll be the tenth round. And he said, oh, no, they just picked Luis Cota in the tenth round. You'll be the eleventh round. And I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's ready, buddy. Sorry, my my son's got macaroni and cheese getting cooked. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> That's great. Well, you ultimately, you know, got that call from the Royals, and uh, you know they got you signed, and then the rest is history. So you had uh, you finished 2003 with surprise then with the Royals there. You were pitcher of the year, and then so yeah. Burlington, Iowa, and Wilmington in 2004. So before we talk about that summer, well, let's go back to your you know to your scouting report. So remind people, you know, what pitches you threw, where'd you top out at, and sit at, and all that good stuff. Um, I threw uh, fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, and which later developed the slider. Uh, kind of took the slider away, and more it was more of a cutter. But um, with the, I kind of changed arm angles at times. I learned that from Tom Bergmeier, and I ultimately, I think that was the difference. I, I wish I would. I think the difference in me actually making it to the big leagues was outside of my pitchability was the cutter i think if i would have thrown the cutter years before that i would have uh i think it would have helped me because i think that's what art stewart finally was like you know what this pitch right here can get him some outs in the big leagues so but i was uh fastball was i would say anywhere 88 to 92 i might get lucky and hit a 93 every once in a while well, getting back to 2004, then you start off in Burlington, Iowa. So you're four and two at the one five six, and a real memorable moment, April 12, 2004. You and Jake Mollis combine for a no hitter. What do you remember about that day? Uh, it was crazy. Well, I, you know what I remember about that day? It was freezing cold. <laughs> it was. I bet it was every bit of 30 degrees, maybe. I mean, I had. I remember. I think I had about four shirts on and threw. 
so I think that helped me a little bit. They didn't want to swing the bats too much. But, uh, yeah, I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday because the first batter of the game uh, hit a ground ball to first, and Kila Kahu was playing first. And uh, he made a he. I went to cover first, and he made a bad throw. It went over my head, and the kid got on second. Uh, first batter of the game, first batter of the year for me. And uh, the next batter grounded back to me, and I threw him out at second. Just he got off the base, I threw him out. Well, the very next guy grounded to double play, and it just kind of took off. <laughs> and then it just, I went. I think uh, I think I only walked one. And that's what Bergie, Tom Bergmeier was the pitching coach there that year. And he said, I would have took you out for a steak dinner if you wouldn't have walked that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was so nervous that after the eight innings, see, my pitch count was up. It was the first game of the year. I think I threw like 85 pitches, which I obviously would have loved to have gone back out. But, you know, the bigger pitcher wasn't right. So Jake Moss came in, and I went inside. I couldn't even watch. I went inside and was riding the bike. I couldn't even watch. <laughs> so did he? did Jake just pitch the ninth then? Is that what it was? He did. I pitched the first eight, and he pitched the ninth. And that was in Burlington? It was. Okay, that's cool. Against Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, yep, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a cool old Adam team. Jones was on that team. Oh, okay. Very nice. Adam Jones, Vladimir Ballantine. Yeah, I told you I remember all those guys. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a, a pretty good team there for a ball then. Yeah, they were good. I'm yeah. trying to remember. That don't... was when I, that was back when Adam Jones played shortstop. Believe it or not. Oh, I didn't even know that either. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning lots of stuff. Who I'm trying to remember who Jake was. Did Jake make it past Wilmington? I, I usually remember those guys, but I can't. Uh, you know, I don't think so. Um, he had some arm trouble, and uh, he kind of was. He got drafted the same year I was, and uh, just kind of a reliever. It was. And then I think he had a bad year, and I I want to say what I remember. I think he got injured. I think he either hurt his knee or something that he couldn't come back from. Oh, okay, that's too bad. Um, okay, so how about uh, well besides the no hitter there, you know the Midwest League in Burlington. You're only there for what seven weeks, but anything else? You know, any other memories of that time? Um, no, I remember uh, the when we faced Quad Cities when they opened the new stadium in Denard's house when the Twins were there and Denard's fan was the leadoff guy, and we always thought he was terrible back then because he couldn't he swung a wet newspaper. <laughs> but uh, and then he ultimately turned into a great player, and he is a great guy, by the way. Yeah, that, that's great a great guy. That's a cool park too in Quad Cities. Yeah, it is. It, is. it was really cool because they had the water behind it and the bridge, and all the trucks would kind of come through and do stuff. It was neat. Have you ever seen the movie called Sugar? It's like it's about the Dominican pitcher. Sugar. Uh-huh. It, it's set in the Midwest League. It's set in Quad Cities in Burlington. It's about a. Okay. A Kansas City, uh, what do they call them? The Kansas City Kings or something. But it's it's got all. It's about the Royals and a kid they sign out of the Dominican and and he comes up and he comes over to America and pitches. You, you got to watch that. It's a fantastic. It's, really? it's the best baseball movie ever, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I'll oh. I'll remind you about it. But it's like a, it was one of those like indie films. But Jose Rijo was one of okay. the guys behind it. and David Ortiz was kind of behind it. So it's a great great flick. Okay. Check that one out. You'll take you back to your Midwest League days. So uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So late May, then you move up to Wilmington. So eighteen starts the Blue Rocks, five and five, two four one ERA. So very good there in the Carolina League. You know, favorite memories of Wilmington. Oh man, we shoot, we had some good ones. Uh, just our our road trips in general outside of the baseball, we had some we had some good times as far as being on the road. Because our uh, where we were located in Wilmington, the travel kind of crazy with going to Myrtle Beach and stuff. You know, you got eight nine hour trips home with you know twenty five guys and three or four coaches and uh, the trainer and all that stuff with one bus. You know, so you're loaded on there tight, baby. So that uh, you're getting home at six in the morning and then you're playing again that night. So it's kind of 
it was you, you get what you put into it. You know, you, if you want to be miserable, you're gonna be miserable. But if not, we'd have fun, play cards and all that stuff. But outside of that, man, we were good. We had a, we had a really good team with Donnie Murphy. We had a bunch of big leaguers on that team with Mike Avilas and Donnie Murphy and um, Ryan Braun, a bunch of guys that were big league guys. Yeah, Ryan Zebron, right? I think his name was Z, the middle name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In the baseball team. Who was league. a flamethrower. And that was my rookie ball roommate. He was a flame. Man, he used to throw absolute gasoline. He was 95, 97. Yeah, I, he was good, man. He had, But he had injuries too, didn't he? Arm injuries, if I remember. Yeah, he had a bunch of injuries. I think he had Tommy John twice and yes. shoulder injuries. and Yeah. That was too bad. Um, so the next year then, so you, you know, have great success there. And I, so uh, 2005, not as good of a year for you. I'm assuming a, maybe you were starting to hurt, you know, with the arm and B, you know, high desert is, you know, death for pitchers in the, in the California league. So, I mean, it's probably the worst league in all the minors for pitching. Now what, what the Royals weren't in high desert very long, obviously, but what are your favorite memories or memories in general of, of pitching in high desert? I'd say my favorite memories is uh, it was the first time I ever lived in California, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, the, I, I think what killed my season that year was I, I looked at I looked at it the wrong way. I was frustrated because I had a great year the year before in Wilmington, uh, and I went back to A ball and I was frustrated with it. Now I didn't understand. I was still young. I didn't understand the system at that point, and uh, knowing that what I know now, if I, you know, if I would have had just a little more feedback from the the older front office, I think I would have understood better as far as, you know, what did I need to do to, to be a double A? I think in, you know, and look hindsight 2020, I know exactly what I need to do. I needed more better fastball command at that point. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the California league, the ball flies too. So that didn't help. <laughs> yeah. what? So that didn't help. And I, it didn't help that Billy Butler was my third baseman either. I tell him <laughs> that to his face too now. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the, the, the range factor over there, the UZR factor, maybe not great over there. No, not at all. And then he played left field, which is bad, too. <laughs> well, you had to make sure nobody pulled against you then, the right-handers, right? Well, that's it. Yeah. You, had to, you had to make him hit to the right side, that's for sure. What? But I will say this. He was the best ever, He was the best 19-year-old uh, hitter I've ever seen in my life, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, he could turn around a fastball better than anybody I've seen in his early oh, days. Oh, my gosh. Now, okay, but what about High Desert itself? I mean, the Royals were there for such a blink of an eye. What was the town? Uh, what is the town? And what was the t- the park like? What was that experience kind of like? Uh, the town, uh, the town was different. Uh, kind of real spaced out, real flat, hot, real hot at some point, really cold. Uh, the park was not bad at all, but uh, now the town was it was a little tough to deal with just because of you know how the system worked and not a lot of guys live close to each other some live with host families some live with apartments and some live together and it was just it just kind of took away kind of that team factor like you usually have you know what was the name of that town anyways uh ooh, high desert i think was the name of the city oh was it really I, I think I might be wrong, but I, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I love it. In your old age, you can't remember where you've lived anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, so now, uh, when did your elbow first start bugging you? So obviously, you missed the entire 2006 season with Tommy John. At what point were you feeling pain, and was it affecting you? And when did you kind of discover that's what you needed? You know, it was funny because about three weeks before I I, I hurt myself, it was. It wasn't. It didn't bother me. It was kind of weird. Once now, and then once I tell you, you'll understand. So I'm. St- I started throwing extremely well for about three weeks. I'd been getting just shelled, 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 and I was 
at the wits end. And um, me and Hawk, our pitching coach, he was we were, he was at wits end too. He's like, I just don't know. He, you know, everything must be up. Everything's you're behind the count. Blah blah blah. Whatever. So and then finally, I just started throwing. I said, I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to go max effort and see what happens. Who cares? It's time. It's who cares about two seaming it and, and finessing anything? Let's just go out there and as hard as I can for as long as I can. That was my mindset. And I started throwing really well. I had about four good starts in a row. And um, and I thought about that time I was about to get moved up to Double A because they had an injury. <clears throat> and um, so I'm in, and I was throwing harder. I don't know why. I, I don't know if it was because uh, I was trying harder or whatever. But I was throwing harder. My velo jumped about three miles an hour, and I was like 90 to 93 for a couple, like three or four outings. Hmm. Well, come to find out later that my ligament had stretched out. So when that ligament stretches out. If it doesn't fray before it tears, you start throwing harder because it gives you more uh, in the layback phase and then obviously catapulting forward and everything. So you're getting that velo. So I was blowing guys away, and I'm going, man, this is great. <laughs> and then uh, about the time we were playing uh, San Jose in the fourth inning, and I threw a fastball in, just a fastball inside with two outs, and I felt it. Uh. And it felt like somebody just dug their fingernails in my forearm and raked them down there. So you, did you know right away what it was? Well, I knew something was up because I went to our trainer, Steve, and um, I said, dude, Steve, you got to check me out. My hand was shaking real bad, and he did some tests, and he's like, no, we're going to shut you down. And see, I had to wait for a while to get an MRI because it was swollen so bad. Ugh. And this, so this was at the very so, end of the season with High Desert then? It was uh, July 15th. Okay, so okay, so about a, well, about two, yeah, halfway through the Marlins season. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I'd, thrown, I'd thrown over 100 innings. When, so when did you actually have the surgery? Was that like a September type thing? December. Because, see, they initially, when they had the MRI, uh, Dr. Yoakum did the MRI, and then he just said that I could rehab it because it was just a fray. And then when I went to – and then finally a couple months go by and I went to get something out of the fridge and it was just killed me. Every time I grabbed something, it just sharp pain, sharp pain. And uh, finally I uh, called – Dr. Andrews and got an appointment. I called Dale Gilbert, which was our minor league uh, coordinator guy with the rehab, and I called him. I said, "Man, I got to go to Dr. Andrews or something because it's not getting any better." Because they figured rest would would heal it, and uh, so I went and took the same MRI that I had from Dr. Yoakum, and he said, "Man, your elbow's torn." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Look right here, your elbow's torn. It's probably a sixty percent tear." <laughs> and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" So I just waited. Basically five months for no reason. Yikes! And then two weeks later, I had the sur- or ten days later, I had surgery. How hard is that rehab process for that? Because I mean, it's so common you know, now. It's, it's really, it's really not hard. Really? I, I think a lot of it's mental. Okay. It really is mental. I, I think, I think it's frustrating in a sense mentally, and it's knowing that you're going to miss a lot of time. I got more frustrated not rehabbing. It near as much as when I came back and I was throwing in games. See, I was throwing, I had no setbacks. I was fortunate. Everything went great, rehab, everything. At 10 months, I was pitching in games in the instructional <laughs> league that year, and it was atrocious. It was awful. I couldn't throw a strike. I couldn't. It was just brutal. My arm felt great, but I had no idea where it was going. And it took me until basically the next spring training in order to get it back. So it took me, I, I almost, and I tell all the guys now that have surgery, it's going to take you 18 months before you're back to normal. 
So the people that say 12 months and 13 months, you're full of crap because you ain't gonna be, you can pitch, but you ain't gonna be very good. Yeah, that's interesting how it takes. Now, something I always wonder, so like a minor league guy, like someone like you who was a prospect, but you weren't obviously a top five, top ten coming up through the system. I mean, sure. so you think back to high desert, you're struggling, you're getting your brains beat in briefly, then you have an injury. I mean, like did you – so like think back when you were in high desert. Did you think you were actually deep down going to make the majors? Were you worried back then about getting released after outings? Was it ever that close to you, or did you never think about no, it that much? Uh, the, the, the first time – I ever felt like I might get released was spring training of 2007. Okay. That was the first time. Because, see, that's when the reason why I felt that way is because I, I came off a bad year in 05, had surgery, missed all of 06, and then, see, 07, that was the new entire front office. They had never seen me play before. Oh, okay. With Dayton and uh, all those guys, they had never seen me play. So I'm going. Uh, the only I think the only saving grace, and I might be way off base, I might be wrong, dead wrong, but I really feel like Mike Mason's the only reason I didn't get released. He just believed in you. I, I really do because I think Mason loved me, and I and I thought he was great as well. So and he and every time when he was in Iowa, when I was in AAA, we always talked and went out to lunch and stuff. It, he was a great guy, and I and I truly believe that he's the only reason I didn't get released. Wow. I think he fought for me. Well, I mean, it turned out well. I mean, 2007, you go to Wichita, banging strikes again, 6-2, and 308, and you get Wichita Pitcher of the Year that year. So, you know, the good old infield and, you know, what, infield <laughs> turf and the outfield grass. You know, what your, yeah. your favorite memories of pitching in Wichita? Man, the favorite memories of pitching in Wichita was uh, was not pitching in Wichita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Man, every time that – well, I say it's good and bad. The turf's good and bad now. You know, they hit that chopper off the turf, it's a hit. But you also give up, they also can play deeper double play depth-wise, so you got more double plays turned for you than you're at, than normally you would because they're able to play farther away from the bag and deeper. They can play their almost their normal position for the most part and still be double play depth because the ball's shooting so quick. And um, But outside of that, the, the ball kind of flies in left center, so you had to keep it out of left center more than anything else. But I was... We, we were as bad as we were record-wise. I think our team was a whole lot better than we ever showed, a whole lot better. I mean, we, we actually had a pretty solid defense with, with Adam Greenberg in center field who could absolutely go get it, and then O'Neill Joseph in the outfield who could go get it. So I think we just didn't hit well enough to win, but I think defensively we're actually we're pretty good. Well, and it's after that year then. So after 07 is when you really, I think, probably – Correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe this is kind of where your where your prospect status took off. So the Arizona Fall League surprise Rafters two four five one and zero. You were Arizona Fall League Pitcher of the Year. I mean, did that help a lot? Do you think in, in solidifying you with the new front office and everything? I think I think it, that that year was huge. I, I agree. I, I think that year was huge, but for putting me back on the map in their eyes, you know. And then uh, I think they viewed me in 2008. They were like, "Well, this guy's probably not going to be a starter." He's not a big league starter. He doesn't project it like a big league starter like he probably could have back in the day. Uh, but not, now we're going to put him in the bullpen. So, And I, I think the bullpen thing for me was a perfect fit, to be honest with you, because if I still – and I was, and I think they were anticipating, and I was too, I would get my velo back if I would have been – if I could have got that two to three miles an hour that I was lacking from uh, – that I was that I had in college, I think – to be honest with you, I think I'd still be playing. It just never came back again? 
they just never got it. Which you know, and you know how it is when and those guys in the big leagues. They ain't ninety ninety one from the left side that don't have a lot of sink on it. They ain't missing that ball, baby. Yeah, well, yeah, but hell, they don't miss a hundred sometimes. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, you're right. But you know, I was I was fortunate enough that I could throw any pitch, any count from any arm angle for the most part, and get. And that's what I think that's what separated me because I knew how to pitch. I knew how to pitch versus just going out there and saying yes to whatever was put down. Now I second guess myself all the time, but I think that's just normal. Well, 2008 then, first season for the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. Uh, another good year for you. 291, 5-2. I mean, you'd finish in Omaha, but the start of it was Northwest Arkansas. How'd you like opening that park and pitching in the Texas League? Well, you, I guess you're that back was, there again. That was cool. Yeah. That was cool. I was, that was kind of a, that was the first year for me that I was kind of like the older guy on the staff. There was a lot of young prospects on that team with like Brian McFall and different and Chris Lebanski and guys that I played with in rookie ball that are still three or four years younger than me. So it was kind of a neat little deal because you know, it was a new park, nice to feel man, it was a nice park and they treated us awesome. We had a great setup with the living arrangements and all that and uh threw the ball well and the travel was awesome. Yeah, it was it was a good experience overall. We actually went back there last year when I a team that I coached a summer team. We went to Fayetteville and played in the tournament and I got in touch with uh Dayton and Dayton got us to got the team over there and got them to run through the clubhouse and stuff. Oh, cool. So you've actually been back there before to Arvest Park. Yes. I've been back there twice, actually. What was the first time? Just in the neighborhood? The first time we were run- we were driving through on our way to, uh, where were we going? Somewhere. Somewhere. I can't remember where we were going. We were driving through Fayetteville on our way to, I don't know if it was Nebraska or somewhere. I don't know where we were going. Very cool. Got For a to- tournament. Got to go back again. So, 08, yeah. 11 games, Omaha to finish 08. Then you return there, obviously, for 09. Now you're a PCL All-Star, 3-3, uh, three and 3-5-0. Three, three, oh. So you get called up to KC. Before we talk about KC, let's go back to Omaha. You know, Rosenblatt Stadium, rest in peace. I miss that park. You know, favorite memories of Omaha? Whew, favorite memories of Omaha, the King Kong place next door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> they have a great, great chicken salad. It's awesome. But uh, And then the ice cream place down the street is good, too. Yeah. But, no, my my favorite, probably my favorite memories of that park, not the park itself, but just the guys that I play with. I played some awesome dudes with Brian Buchanan and Ryan Sheely and the, the guys like that, Devin Lowry. I mean, it was just, it was great with those guys. It made it that park and that clubhouse and all that and basically it's kind of miserable at times because it's i mean the the Degum locker room was the size of a closet so <laughs> you put you take your pants off after the game and your sliders are sitting on the spread table so <laughs> that's it but those guys made it worthwhile i mean those guys you know with matt tupman and those guys just made it it made it great made it possible as far as you know just that positive you know, some of the guys that were just negative all the time, and it, it was funny. It made it funny. Bruce Chin was there in 2009, so that made it even better because he's probably the funniest dude ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, so September call-up, September 5th of 2009. So let's go back to the exact moment that you get called up. I'm sure you probably remember this pretty vividly. Where were you at? Who gave you the news? How'd they give it to you? All that good stuff. Oh, yeah, this will be this is kind of funny. Um, so we after the game, we're we're in Round Rock. Uh, last series of the year, I had I was supposed to start the next day. And that was going to be my last start of the year. And um, so after the game we played, we won. And 
after the game, Carlos Rosa and Victor Marte got called in, and uh, they they got called up. They're leaving the next day, and uh, we were all kind of sitting there, and we were kind of like, "Dang, that's it. That's all that's getting called up. That's that sucks," you know. And I'm going, "Man, I thought you know this. If there was one year that I thought I had a good chance, this is it right here." And uh, so I thought that was it. So we we got in the vans and see we had a hotel shuttle back and forth. So we got in the vans and. Uh, I was go and see Lenny Donardo was on that team too, who mm-hmm. was who had an unbelievable season in my opinion, and um, he didn't get caught up at that point. So we we're like, me and him were both kind of, which I couldn't even say anything to him. He's just like, you gotta be kidding me. And uh, and so we got in the van and on our way back and uh, get a phone call, and I didn't know the number. I just answered it, and it was Jersh. And Jersh goes, Hey, where are you at? And I was like. Uh, I'm on the bus. He goes, you know who this is? And I said, uh, yeah, I know that voice anywhere. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, uh, John Bale just got hurt. They need a left-handed pitcher. And I'm go- and I told him to send you up there. And I said, all righty. <laughs> and uh, he said, I need you to come back and get your stuff. And so I came back and got my stuff. And I was just, it was kind of surreal in a way because it didn't feel like it was legit, you know, because when I got back there, Bergie, was the pitching coach again, Tom Bergmeyer, and he when I came in, he goes, I'll tell you something, I told you, all you gotta do is those strikes, throw it over the plate. He's doing the same thing. <laughs> and uh that was it. That was his motto all the time. So and it was it was pretty neat. And then the next morning me and Rosa and Marte we flew out to uh Kansas City. Yeah, and they did call up. Didn't Lenny get called called up a couple days later? Lenny and Lenny got called up after the season was over and so did uh Ooh, somebody else. Gordon, I think. It was was Jay Jay Miller on that team too, or Jay Miller, whatever his name was. Jay Miller got Jay Miller got called up. Jay Miller, Lenny Donardo, and Gordo. Gordon was on AAA at that point. Man, was... that was the year that he transitioned from third base to left field, two thousand nine. Oh yeah, how quick was that for him, by the way? Because he obviously picked Dude, it up. Him and Mitch Meyer transitioned from infield to outfield better than any other player I've ever seen in my life, ever. Hmm. Huh. Mitch Meyer went from never playing the outfield one time in his entire life to being probably one of the best outfielders I ever played with, and then so did Gordon. Yeah, because Meyer was a catcher, right, when he first came yes. up? Yes, he caught me in rookie ball. And then his next year he played third base when I was in A ball. <laughs> and it just happened yep. that quick, him and Gordo. That's, that's, that, I mean, you know, I, I think it's just that they were just, they were just pure, pure athletes more than anything else. So I mean, even when Gordon first got out there, he was making plays for you, I and mean, there, there weren't really. Oh even... no doubt. So yeah, he... well, it was easy. It was easy, and you know, and, the, and both of those guys, they worked their absolute butt off too. So it made it it made it an easier transition, I think, because they're the ones that are getting, uh, you know, asking for more fly balls during pregame and BP and going out in early work and all that stuff. And I think that's you know that separates a lot of guys in general. Now, what do you remember most about the? So you walk into the KC clubhouse for the first time. Who were some of the guys that took you under their wing, and what was that like? Jamie Wright, one hundred percent. Jamie Wright. Uh, my locker was next to his, and uh, you know, the first time I ever saw the guy, he's freaking six foot seven, and walks up with a uh, with his towel on, and just got out of the hot tub, and I was like, "Hey, man, how are you?" And he introduced himself, and it was intimidating because he's huge, and then. Uh, was I mean ended up being one of the nicest guys ever. Um, it was it was great. He showed me the way, did everything as much as he could for me to kind of show me the ropes. And uh, <clears throat> another another guy that helped me out as well was Mike Beals because 
we had always played together and um we're real close we got drafted the same year and still real close we still talk uh, occasionally and uh just different guys like that me and billy butler obviously hang out we're really close friends so Man, talk about a guy that's underappreciated, Jamie Wright. How many, how many years does that guy have to get minor league deals? Oh my god! I mean, he's, he's got he's got probably I want to say he's in his seventeenth or eighteenth year. Yeah, and people thought he was done ten years ago. Yeah, he he's, done, he's got one of the best curveballs I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he's, and that and I think just that pitch alone, that and his slider. I mean, obviously he's six seven, he knows what he's doing. But that breaking ball, those two breaking balls he's got help him for sure. He's a guy like Darren Oliver that just pitches forever. I mean, different, yep, different, side, different arm, but, you know. Uh, different team every year and does it, does it work. <laughs> well, you get into a game the next day, September 6th. You allow the inherited runner to score, but then after that it's four and a third scoreless innings, hitless after that. Five Ks against the Angels that day. Do you remember that pretty darn well, too? Oh, yeah, like it was yesterday. <laughs> The funny thing is, see, Hochaver started and was not pitching well. And uh, early in the game, I think it was, shoot, it might have been the first inning I got loose. And uh, I got loose, and I was about in, and they were like, hey, you probably got the most like you got the next batter. And uh, he got that out. And uh, they were like, all right, sit down. <clears throat> so I was like, good, sweet. Now I can, like, um, I, now I can swallow. Now I can breathe. I, I didn't know what. I was just, I couldn't even feel my body, you know. <laughs> And uh, so the next inning, Hochever went out and the first guy got on, and uh, and then they call back down and get loose again. Was re- I think they got me up because I'd been starting in Triple A, so I was kind of like the long reliever at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Hochever got in some trouble and got an out, and then got another out and then gave up a base hit. I think one more base hit, and then they took him out, and uh, then they put me in. And the craziest thing is, when I ran to the mound, I didn't even feel my legs. <laughs> so it was interesting. And then when I got there, well, the cool thing was Brian Pena was catching, which me and Brian Pena never got along personally. But on the field, we were always buddies because he was always goofy. And, I, you know, he caught me in AAA a decent amount that year. So I understood, I, I kind of felt that small comfort factor that Pena was behind the plate. So. We're warming up and everything went good. And then the first pitch of the inning, or the at bat, Tory Hunter's freaking bat. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then the first pitch, Pena calls fastball in. And I'm like, can we throw fastball in? And I'm thinking this real quick. Okay, here we go. <laughs> this is going to start it. And then I executed, boom, perfect. And I was like, all right, I can do this. And then I feel a bad changeup on a 1 a, a one count. And then I feel it. A belt high change up. He got out in front, just kind of blooper to left, and then they scored. And then after that, it was kind of like, all right, quit thinking, just pitch. And then it just kind of took off. Which my cutter, the cutter slider thing that I was telling you about was that was the pitch that was really on that day. I think I struck out every four out of the five batters that day with that one pitch. Huh. Well, speaking of strikeouts, I've got the answer in front of me. I'm, uh, let's see if you know this. Who was your first big league strikeout? Big league strikeout, Juan Abreu. Juan Rivera, right? Is that who it was? Juan Rivera, yeah, yeah. I said Juan, Juan Rivera. Yeah. That's the guy that pitched with us in Kansas City. Yeah, Juan Rivera, yes. <laughs> there was a Juan Rivera that pitched. That's right. I remember him. <laughs> well, so a couple weeks later, you make a, you make your one big league start, you know, as things would, would turn out. So the White Sox, you go four and a third, allow three earned runs that day. Any memories of that one? Yeah, it was good. I thought I threw the ball. I thought I threw the ball well after the, after the second inning. The first inning, I threw okay. I was behind in the count a lot, but uh, the second inning uh, was behind in the count a lot, 
And then after that, uh, Trey Hillman came out there and told me a few choice words that I won't repeat now. But <laughs> he was—he know I guarantee he knows exactly what he said to me, and and I respect the heck out of it. I, at the time, I was like, "Oh my God, he just said that to me," but it worked. <laughs> so I was able to—I was able to kind of get back on track and not pitch away from contact and get ahead in the count. And it really—it really was good. I, the thing is, when it, when in the fifth inning, when I was pitching. I was I just struck out AJ Przinsky on a sidearm breaking ball or fastball one, and uh, <clears throat> Canerco was up to bat, and I threw a pitch. I was out of the windup. Nobody it was nobody on one out. And I threw a pitch, and I was like, man, that just don't feel right. When see knowing me, that I came off Tommy John, it was a like my hand went numb, my fingers went numb. So I'm going, what the crap? So I get back on the mound, and. uh so I'm shaking off, shaking off. I'm really um, John Buck's catching. I'm just shaking off. I'm really not even paying attention. And uh, that pitch, I put my hand. I usually don't put my hand in my glove. I had it just down by my side. Well, that pitch, that pitch, I put my hand in my glove to see if I get the feeling in my hand back. And I was shaking off, shaking off, shaking off. And then finally, I called timeout, and I just kind of was like thinking, thinking, thinking. And finally, I called him out there, and uh, I was like, "Dude, I'm scared to throw another pitch. I, I don't. My elbow, my hand's not." And he, that's when he called the trainer out, which it ended up being fine. I was just, I think it was just more precautionary and I was a weenie, uh, more than anything because my nerve had just subluxed and it just popped out and popped back in. So it made my hand go numb for a small period of time. Well, you're probably, probably being smart, but that, that was tough though, right? Cause you're like, man, do I say anything? I'm in the big leagues. Well, I, I was pitching well. Yeah. I was pitching well at the time. And, uh, yeah, it was the worst thing ever could have happened because, uh, the guy that came in, the Japanese guy, Nish, uh, Yabuda? Yabuda, yes. Yep. We were really close friends, by the way. Uh, For real? Oh, no. Yabuda <laughs> came in. Yes, we were. Seriously. He was he was awesome. I love Yabuda. Seriously? And uh, so, yeah, he was awesome. Oh, okay. I thought you were joking. <laughs> and, uh, no, really, he was great. He, everybody loved him in AAA, too. So he came in, and that was my batter, so he walked him, and then he scored. So it was my walk, my run, and then they ended up beating us. They ended up blowing us out. We were tied at that point. And uh, they ended up blowing us out, so I got the walk, the run, and the loss. I was like, man, that's the triple whammy, and my elbows hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, so after 2009, going into 2010, so what did the Royals tell you after that September, and did you feel pretty confident that you had a, uh, that you were in their plans in 2010? You know, I I would say yes, and I would say no. Uh, I, would, I would say no because of the fact that uh, they still had John Bale, um, and they still had, um, and they signed John Parrish, which he was injured at the time when they signed him, but uh, he was able to pitch fun of the spring training. But I, the only reason I say yes is because I did pitch pretty well in spring in uh, September, even though the stats didn't really show it. I thought I pitched a whole lot better than the stats showed. Um, <clears throat> I pitched well in September, and I had um, a good a good rapport from Art Stewart and different things moving forward. So I'm like, okay, maybe I am in their plan. And then going into spring training, I personally don't see how I made the team out of spring training because I, I pitched like crap in spring training. <laughs> I, I really did, but I guess I was because I was left-handed and uh, they had nobody else is my only guess, to be honest with you. <laughs> and uh, That's just me. I'm an honest person. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. So, But um, – that's that's the only reason I feel like I'm. And then you know, even early in the season, my first two outings were, oh God, atrocious. And then I thought I was going to get sent down. Well, Ramon Col- Ramon Colon got sent down, 
And then I'm like, all right, if I, I'm looking, and I'm like, I even went to the website when I looked in AAA. I said, man, they don't have any left-handed pitchers. I'm good. So I think just by me doing that changed. And then I started, and then, I mean, I say I had a, a, a decent year. I was able, they provided me with a chance to pitch the entire season. I had some ups and downs, but I had some, I had some really good stretches that year, too. I mean, I went a month and a half at one point without getting up a run. So I thought that was a huge bonus for me. Yeah, I was going to say, you went the entire month of June, didn't allow a single yeah. run, and then you only allowed one in the month of August that year as well. Yeah. So you make the opening day roster, second most appearances next to Joaquin, uh, three eight three. So I mean, the numbers look pretty good. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I thought I had a decent year. Um, I, I know there was a couple of outings that I just, I get, I get two out, nobody on out of the inning, and just boom. Um, I, I felt like um, I was put in more tough. I, I felt like maybe I'm crazy, but I felt like I was put in uh, the toughest situations of any other guy we had. That's for sure. I was like I came in bases and no out more than three times. Jeez. Well, now yeah. so the team. Well, I had it one time. I remember specifically came in bases with not extra innings, and here comes Joe Mauer, here comes Justin Morneau, and here comes Jim Tomey. That's <laughs> <laughs> it, brother. Enjoy going through those Hall of Famers, right? <laughs> yeah, you go right ahead. <laughs> I mean, anything else about that full season in the big leagues? I mean, the, the travels obviously beats the hell out of minor league travel. And I mean, I'm oh, no just, doubt. A, you know, one of the most, if not the most special year of your life, I'm assuming. It was. It was. It, it was it was awesome. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget every. I mean, there's not. It would be surprising if you mentioned a moment that I didn't forget that I forgot. So that's everything about it was awesome. Just the guys, the staff, the everything i mean it was it was cool even though you know in the first half of the season we were actually in it until the right before the all-star break we uh we were we were out six games out and then we got swept by the white Sox, who were in first place so we went into the break down not out nine games so if we'd had a good series there you never know what might have happened oh yeah that was a tough but then again i you know i still look at it as it was a blessing for me in a way uh, because if we were still in it, then the trade didn't get me out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get the experience lefty, right? That's uh, so yeah, it. They might have, you know, which I've been pitching pretty well. I, I, I'd say the, I'd say the biggest difference in me uh, compared to you know your Darren Olivers and guys that are lefty specialists, I didn't have the consistent swing and miss pitch. Now I had a swing and miss pitch or two, but I didn't have it as consistent as they did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't miss bats. I missed barrels, but I didn't miss bats enough. I think that was the biggest separation from me between those guys and me for the most part. Not that we, their stuff was any better. They just had that, that pitch, that consistent swing miss pitch. Well, the team struggled that year. Eventually, you know, with Trey getting replaced by Ned. You know, first of all, let's talk about. Uh, well, let's talk about both of them. I guess. How'd you like both Trey and Ned? Well, firstly, I absolutely love Trey Hillman myself. Um, I would say, I don't know if he was, uh, he liked me as well. So, I mean, when, when he was there, I, I felt like everything was, I was always put in good spots. Um, not that I disliked that at all, but I liked, uh, I, felt like, I, I do feel like Trey Hillman is maybe not a perfect major league manager, but I think he knows enough about the game to be a perfect bench coach type guy, third yeah. base coach, all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, it was kind of shocking. I, I, to be honest with you, at the time it wasn't. But once it was later on, I was like, wow. I mean, you know, they 
went out of their way to go get this guy to Japan, and then two years later, basically, it was... But I understood it because, you know, it was funny, in spring training that year, I saw Ned Yost, and I said, I told a bunch of guys, I said, that right there's their next manager. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, they didn't get that guy for nothing. They didn't just sign him on to be a specialist for nothing. Come on now. Yeah. So... And there you go. So I think, in, in all honesty, I think they might have had it in their plans all along. But I think whatever works. I mean, that's a great manager. Um, he, uh, you know, his first night, his first day on the job, is I got my first win as a big leader. Really? So, yes. His uh, his first day, we played the White Sox, and he came out to the I, – I'd thrown like four days in a row already. And uh, me and Blake Wood and Joaquin were kind of the go-to three guys at that point in the season, just that point, because uh, Tejada was, his arm was hurt, uh, Tejada. And um, so he came up to the, he came out there and was like, hey, how you feeling today? I said, I'm good. I'm good to go. He said, you know, you've done four days of rust, and I'm good. He goes, well, you're my seventh inning guy tonight. I said, holy crap, are you kidding me? This is awesome, you know. <laughs> and sure enough, we were winning by, I think, one or two in the seventh inning. I came in and got out of it, and we won. I got my first win. That and uh, did you read by the way that he's now the all-time winningest Royals manager in team history as of last week? Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he shattered the Whitey Herzog record. So you you gave him his first Royals win then, right? Yeah. So I, at least I'm in I'm in his I'm in his history book. Yeah, he'll be. Which yeah. I don't think he I don't think he personally liked me as a pitcher to be honest with you. But really? That's just my opinion. Well, yeah. you'll. When he's in the Royals Hall of Fame someday, maybe he'll give you some, you know, a tribute or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe not though, too, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, what was it like working with Mac, Bob McClure? It was good. Um, it it was uh, as far as you know, he was left-handed, so it kind of gave me some insight. That it, he was different from most guys in a sense that he was always real calm, real calm. He never got fired up. Which you know, growing up and all the coaches I had, I was just used to where I went to college of fire, you know, all that stuff. So with with Mac, it was just you know, just calm, cool, collective. It was you know, some of the some of the best conversations we had would just be during batting practice, just sitting out there talking about you know different spots and you know what would what would we do in different counts and different things like that. But no, I think I think Mac's awesome. He's awesome. Now, was it pretty much just Jamie Wright then and Avilas and Butler? Were those your best friends in the Royals in the end? Yeah, and then Mitch Meyer. Then I got to know uh, Gordon for a while, uh, for pretty good. And outside of the outside of those guys, it would be um, Carlos Rosa. Was he was there just parts of 2010? He wasn't there necessarily the whole year. But uh, Carlos Rosa was one of my best friends growing uh, through the system because we played together almost every year. And Dominican guy, he was awesome. He another, was unbelievable. Another guy that I thought was going to be a stu- what happened to him, by the way? Carlos Rosa. You know, I don't know. Yeah, he was, He had some arm issues too, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah, he was a he was a big time prospect coming up. Um, yeah, he was. He too hard. So after 2010, so and obviously kind of d- disappointing for you. Uh, well, not kind of, very disappointing for you. So it's January of 2011. The Royals let you go. The Twins pick you up. Were you surprised by that? Were you, did you think that was coming? I was shocked. Really? 100% shocked. Considering, you know, outside of Soria and Tejeda, I thought I was the best reliever on the squad. And then um, performed well. They gave me an opportunity. I thought I did well. And then they got rid of me. I was just shocked, considering that I had all my options left. I'd never been sent down. I just got put on the roster the year before. 
I had all my options. I was still not old. I mean, I, and I wasn't injured. I wasn't. It was. Just, I was shocked. But I, I think, you know, um, they sent me to winter ball that year. They wanted Med supposedly wanted me to start, and uh, he sent me to Puerto Rico. And I played like crap in Puerto Rico. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, I pitched like absolute crap, and uh, really didn't care to be honest with you, because I was just more or less going down there to get innings pitched to bet, so, so I could rev up for the next year. I was working on just two seamers in, two seamers, you know, whatever, just working on stuff the whole time, and I got shelled big time. And uh, Catahia was our manager in Puerto Rico, so I think that had a lot to do with it, personally. Oh, okay. And then I, I still think it goes back to Ned not liking me. It doesn't make any sense, why? Yeah, because you had minor league options. That, that's I remember thinking, that, thinking to myself, like, why would they just get rid of this guy when he can go back to well, Omaha? Well, that's what I thought, because, see, when I, went to the, when I got claimed by the Twins and went over there, I went to spring training, and a bunch of the guys were like, what'd you do, sign a free agent deal or whatever? And I said, no, I just got claimed off waivers. They were like, well, how many options you got left? I'm like, all of them. They were like, what? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You, well, uh, supposedly there's there's only been like 15 guys. Now, I don't know the stats on this, but supposedly there's only been like 15 guys in Major League history that have played an entire year in the big leagues with never being sent down an entire year and then getting put on waivers after the season, <laughs> my God, with all their with all their options, man. Well, yeah. How, I mean, how, so walking. You know, I'm sure there was a kind of a grieving period there. I mean, the Royals are the only team you know. I'm sure there was, you know, depression, anger, you know, sadness. You know, what, what was that like? How tough was that walking away from the only team that you knew at that point? Man, it was. I don't. Man, it was tough. It was mixed emotions for sure. I mean, they they were the, you know, they were the only organ well not the only but the first organization that took a chance with me and the that i played with for eight years i mean it was unbelievable as much as uh as much as you're in the minor league system and you're doing well and you want to see what's out there on other teams ultimately they were the ones that took a chance on me to begin with and then gave me a chance in the big league so it was kind of it's kind of bittersweet i guess yeah, well, you make it over to Minnesota, and you make another opening day roster. Unfortunately, you're only there for, I guess, well, until early mid-May. What are your favorite yeah. uh, favorite memories of pitching for the Twins? Man, my favorite memories of pitching for the Twins were spring training. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely dominated spring training. Um, now, that spring training I did well. I, I, I felt like I earned the right to be on the team in spring training then. Um, I didn't give up a run the entire time. I think only two guys got past second base that entire spring training. But um, I think the biggest thing, the the funnest thing with Minnesota was just being in Minnesota with those guys. Man, they were a great group of guys. With uh, my work, Tomei. Tomei was my childhood favorite, by the way, outside of the Braves guys. Jim Tomei is my favorite player. <laughs> so for me to play on the same team with him was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I still think it's surreal that he, his, him and his wife send the uh, Christmas cards. I think it's unbelievable. I'm like a true... Ten-year-old fan, I guess you'd call it. I, I love that but, guy, uh, man. He was—he was a great teammate too. I was here. He was unbelievable. He's probably one of the nicest guys in the game of baseball, no doubt. So, but uh, just being with those guys and being in that clubhouse, there was a great group of guys. We did—they didn't have a year, but just getting to know some of the older veteran players, Kadir, um, just different guys like that, and then obviously the younger group coming up with Swarzak and uh, Trevor Plouffe, and uh, one of my good buddies on that team was Jeff Manship. Yeah, yeah, and uh, which he was a great guy, great pitcher. If he could stay healthy, that's for sure. I remember him. Yeah, and Gardy, you know, love that guy. I've always respected the heck out of him. Yes, I love Gardy. He, 
the coolest thing is we went up there. See, when I got claimed off waivers, the next week I went to Twin Fest in Minnesota, and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is crazy. <laughs> and uh, Gardenhauer inter- introduced himself. He's like, hey, this is Ron. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is kind of neat. I always see you on TV and getting mad and getting thrown out of games all the time, you know. <laughs> and uh, so he introduced himself and gives me a cell phone number right out of the gate, me and my, me and my wife. And it was just like, holy crap, his wife gave – it was just – just down to earth, normal people. You know, it was just—it was really neat. I thought it was great. Yeah. Well, I mean, so that season ends, and you sign with the Braves. You spent 2012 and 2013 at AAA Gwinnett. Uh, pretty good in 2012. Were you surprised you never got a call up that year? Very shocked. Yeah. Very shocked. Uh, considering that uh, they called up two left-handed guys that year from AA and never gave me a chance and I was out of those those two guys didn't have major league experience at that time and they were in a race and uh I mean now I'm looking back on it they obviously made the right decision with Avalon and uh whoever the other guy was I can't think of who it is right now but uh I had a really good spring training in 2012 uh 2013 I dropped down sidearm permanently because I'd always thrown that way just occasionally but they dropped me down sidearm and I dominated the spring training here I thought personally because uh, one of the guys was hurt, lefties. It wasn't Venters, but the other guy, I can't think of his name right now, but I thought I was going to make the team. And uh, they were just going to, you know, when he'd come back, send me down, which would have been fine. But uh, I, I fixed well enough that year in 2012 to get called up, I thought, which, in all honesty, I guess they didn't think so. But um, And then 2013, it was dominated in spring training, and then I just pitched like crap. Uh, me and the manager did not get along at all. He hated my guts for some reason. I have no idea why. And uh, we had an incident at the end of the, or right the week before I got drafted, or, uh, released. And I threw one inning, and I told him that I, was not, I wasn't going back out there because I warmed up for three innings. I said, I'm not going back out there. And uh, so I think that ultimately led to the, me getting released because I actually was you know, 30 years old, and I spoke up for myself, and they weren't going to treat me like crap. Yeah, well, good for you, man. I mean, but so it was, I mean, was that it? I mean, did you know that was going to be it when they released you? Did you have any other I, offers? No, or? no, I, I had several independent teams call, and I just didn't want to play independent ball, which I think, in all honesty, if I would have, I would have probably gotten signed again. And I got a couple of calls from overseas with, like, Italy and uh, Korea and stuff, and I just said, nah. Any regrets about not you know about that or not? Uh yeah, with the Korea thing, yeah, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. But you know the 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 reason why it was easier to cope with not playing anymore was when I first got released. I drove home obviously that night, and the next morning went to my little girl's. I don't know school recital thing or whatever. And that was cool. I got to see that. And then uh, my dad got my dad had prostate cancer for. I mean, good Lord, eight years before he passed away. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. So he got really sick and was basically on hospice two weeks within me being home. So it almost felt like it was it was supposed to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I know. My dad gets put on hospice that way because, you know, and then we were actually in the room when he passed. So if I would have been playing, obviously it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, well, that, that you're right so it, though. It almost sounds like it was God meant for it to happen that way. So it really, it really did, and it and it makes it easier to cope with. Now, don't get me wrong; I freaking still love the game like no other. I mean, I could 
I can coach all day long and teach guys all day long and, and absolutely love it, you know. So it's like, a, I mean, like I said, I coach at the school and I got nine teams in an organization. Probably going to have about four more this year. Good. Now, one other question about that. Like, I talk to guys and they'll say they have like a morning period or they're real, you know, ticked off or depressed and they have to kind of not watch baseball or stick away. Did you ever have a time where you like hated the game or like were depressed, too depressed to watch it? Was there ever any of that for you? No, uh, no, not at all. I mean, I, I was, uh, I was frustrated with the Braves more than anything else. The way, it, the way everything went down, because I thought it was just disrespectful more than anything. Yeah, but because uh, I, because I don't, because I felt like personally I got released because I spoke up for myself personally, and then the manager didn't like me. That's yeah. why. Now, performance-wise, yeah, they could have released me on that as well because I was pitching like crap now. <laughs> but uh. I will say that, but I really feel like that was the last straw. They were kind of like, you know, this is an older veteran guy at this point. He's been around, and then they were like, no, we're we're going to get rid of him. That's, <laughs> well, so. well, let's uh, well, I guess last three things for you. Uh, you know, first of all, when you look back at Kansas City, I mean, what are your favorite memories of your Royals days overall? You know, just when you think back to the whole thing, what do you think about the most? Shoot, I don't know, man. It's um, everything. I mean, just being in Kauffman Stadium in general is unbelievable. Uh, being able to travel around with all the guys and play in the, those different stadiums, uh, it was awesome. Just, uh, you know, when you're there, you, you just, you know, you go through your whole minor league career and you just kind of exist more than anything else. You're just kind of there. Some of the minor league fans go into your autograph, blah, 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 whatever. But when you get to the big leagues, it's like, it's like a different world. I mean, it's unbelievable. You're like a god. It really It doesn't matter if you're the worst player on the team or the best player on the team. They still, I mean, everybody just looks at you as, you know, a statue, you know, basically. So, but overall, I would say just the experience. I mean, it's, I mean I'll tell my little guy about them all the time, just different stories and stuff. Not everything, but some, most of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, but, what, uh, not what Hillman said to you on the mound during that start, right? No, we won't, we won't go that far. Until he's we 18? Far, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, but for the most part, it was just, just everything. I mean, the friendships that I developed that I still have. I mean, you know, for example, last year, Billy Butler sent, a, sent an autograph back to uh, a cancer patient that we had been raising money for. Just little stuff like that that you you know that you you can't. I wouldn't change for anything. You know. That's great. That's great. How about it uh, is. how about uh, off the field? But I mean, did you have any favorite spots or anything about the city of Kansas City itself that you liked the most when you were here? Uh, we lived in Overland Park, so kind of out that way. We always go to uh, what was the name of that tiny Japanese place we used to go to? I can't think of it. It's Japanese and Steakhouse. Then, uh, was, what's that? Japanese Steakhouse. You mean, or what are you? Yeah, it was a Japanese steakhouse we used to go to all the time. Is it called like Kyoto every, or something? Like 100, yeah, 135th? Every, every day game, that's what usually uh, my family, Billy Butler's family, Mitch Meyer's family, we would all, that's where we would go every day game. Was it in, like, was it in like a shopping center out like at 135th? It was. Yep. It was. Yeah, I know the exact place you're talking about. I love that place. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so. but, uh, yeah just everything. I mean, that, you know, we would go. Uh, to the mall and just you know all this stuff. It was it was awesome. Good old times. Well, I guess last thing for you is uh, you know in summary, what would you like to say to all the Royals fans listening right now? Whew, I don't know. But, uh, 
I, I asked the, the deep the questions, Royals, man. <laughs> the the Royals are doing awesome right now. Just say hey, the uh, the the one thing that I like seeing is when I do see them on TV, the stands are packed and they're oh, yeah. for the All Star game. So much appreciation for that and. I enjoyed it when I was there, and just keep cheering the boys on because I know they really appreciate it. Yeah, they're uh, they're already sold over two million tickets as of now. They're going to draw a team record this year. They're pacing for two point seven million, and they've sold out twelve games. And we're at, what June twenty third right now, so it's pretty. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, in two thousand nine, when Grinky pitched his Cy Young year, you could tell when if there if you know everybody says. If if you're good, they'll come. If you if they're good, they'll come. They'll come. You know, and it's like okay, whatever. Well, you, I believe it because in 2009 when Granky pitched, it was standing room only in 2009 in September when we were out of it. So yeah. that was fun to watch, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And- and some great stories from him, I'm sure too. But uh, but yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, you know, th- th- for you know, as a Royals fan and everything, thanks so much for all that you gave to the organization coming up through the minor leagues and getting up. And you know, really good for us that you're out of the bullpen. And glad that you have some nice memories of here. And you know, hopefully one of these days we'll see you back out here. And I'm sure you'll be rooting along this year. Hopefully as they make a deep postseason run again too. Oh, there ain't no doubt. I'm I'm watching about every day. That's for sure. Watching. It's funny. You know, I, I look back and see. You know, Hosmer and Moustakas and those guys that were little puppies, basically, when I was in the big leagues, and they would walk behind me. Really good kids, by the way. They would walk behind me, walking out of the spring training complex, and they are like, Dusty, how's it feel to be up there, you know, all this? <laughs> Just like little kids, you know? And now to see them doing what they're doing, it's really cool. Yeah, there, yeah there's lots of guys. Because yeah. at, at one point, they looked up to me. And now they're doing their thing. It's really neat. I mean, you probably played with Dyson in the minor leagues too, right? And, and Moose. I did. I played with Dyson in uh, AAA and in the big leagues. Yeah, I he's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> another another. I love Dyson. Another Mississippi guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's great. That's great. Well, we'll definitely stay in touch, man. We'll we'll catch up from time to time and uh, and take care. God bless and, and wish you and your family and everybody well out there. All right, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.